You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, flippin' flawless flashbulbs, flaunting flavors. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your <laughs> weekly quiz show and offbeat <laughs> trivia podcast. This is episode 39, and of course, I am your humble host, Karen, and we are your flock of flame-throwing fledglings flabbergasted by flamingos and flaunt. Wow. Whoa. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Uh, before we dive into the show, Karen, a little housekeeping here. We have uh, time for another installment of... Um, actually. (laughs) (laughs) In last week's episode, in answer to one of your questions, I made a passing reference to uh, MPEG. It it does not stand for Motion Photography Experts Group. It was Moving Picture Experts Mm. Group, uh, just to clear up the confusion there. MPEG versus JPEG. Well, Mm -hmm. you spelled it right, at least. (laughs) It was the right letter. So what is JPEG again? That was Joint Photographic Experts Group. And MPEG? Moving Picture Experts Group. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah. these experts groups are yeah, put together by the standards organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you apply to be one of these experts? That's a good question. I make my own <laughs> file extensions. I think that they're a sort K-check. of uh, selected. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> 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 and so with my intro, I looked up a lot of words that start with FL, flippin' flawless, yeah. fledglings, flabbergasted. <laughs> so I found some really crazy sounding other FL words, and I want to share with you guys because they sound old timey and fantastic. Go on. Do you guys know what a flannel mouth is? And I, I think you can probably guess maybe because like, they're old mouth. Yeah. If like, I call you a flannel mouth, isn't a flannel <laughs> like a washcloth or something? I don't know. I don't know. I give up. Flannel it mouth. is a person whose speech is thick, slow, or halting. Oh, ah, okay. Okay. So, which okay. kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like having the cloth in your mouth. Sure. Yeah. Here's another one. What is flap doodle? Oh, I love it. Uh, I don't know, it, but it, I enjoy it. it. it, it Baloney? Like yeah, I'm going to say non- non- nonsense. Okay. Yeah. A bunch of flap nonsense. Hog- yes. Hogwash. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were pointing out and saying yes to meat. It's baloney meat. It's a flap doodle. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Do you want a flap doodle sandwich? What part yes. of the pig does the flap doodle come from? I'm not sure I want to know. <laughs> flap doodle means nonsense or foolish talk. Ah, okay. okay. And lastly, here's another one. Fliberty gibbet. Flipperty gibbet. Is this a? It's a, a very a, Zoe Deschanel kind of word. Is it, <laughs> is it a person who, uh, yeah. who talks a lot or a flighty person? Or is person, it like or... thingamajig? You are very good, Chris. What is it? It is a, a very chatty or flighty oh, okay. yeah. person. Or in olden days, it's also referred to as like gossip. So there we go. Flannel mouth, flap doodle, and flipperty gibbet. <laughs> so time for our general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. And here I have a random Trivial Pursuit card, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers, so let's start answering some questions. <laughs> Blue Wedge Geography. How many letters are in the Hawaiian alphabet? And multiple choice. Oh. <laughs> Colin just knows. I think it's 12. Correct. Oh. The choices were 12, 17, or 28, and it is 12. Mm. Oh. Pink wedge for pop culture. What common breakfast item was Alfred Hitchcock said to be afraid of? Uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. Afraid of. What? He was afraid common... of a common breakfast well, item? He's... 
sausage? No. <laughs> I don't know. Honey bunches of oats. <laughs> <laughs> eggs. Honey bunches of oats. Food. What is it? It is eggs. eggs. Davis, ah. right? Oh. I was like, because of birds? I don't know. I went oh. into like... <laughs> I thought about that. They just seemed to... It's weird. I don't know. The first answer that jumped in my head was croissant. I don't know. Because <laughs> it looks like a gun. Looks like At least dub- he understood what yeah. other people were afraid of, and that it wasn't what he was afraid That's of. That's true. That's and like more, all, more to the point. All yeah. of his movies weren't just like shots of eggs and various <laughs> The various sequel poses. to Birds, or the yeah. prequel. All right, Yellow Wedge. What former White House employee did John Goodman impersonate on SNL, Saturday Night Live, <laughs> after she surreptitiously taped phone calls with Monica <laughs> Chris Kohler? Um, I believe that was Linda Tripp. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very. Not a flattering impersonation. <laughs> no. Nor was it meant to be. Yeah, no. Purple Wedge. What does the Latin phrase Tempus Fugit mean? Time flies. Yes. Very good. Green wedge for science. What mineral do bananas have in abundance? Uh, Potassium? Correct. Mm -hmm. Potassium. And lastly, orange wedge. By what name are coriander leaves more commonly known? And we had this at Puncturia before. We got it wrong. Cilantro. Yes. Yes. Cilantro. Cilantro and coriander, same plant. Good job, everybody. Let's jump into today's episode. And in previous shows, we talked a lot about food. Mm-hmm. And in taste. more than one episode, yeah, yes. Many episodes, almost every episode. Of course, we've had a lot of music segments as well. And we tackled the subject of sight and colors earlier. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're going to dedicate today's episode to one of our most interesting uh, face organs. And that is the, <laughs> the nose. Yes. And the wondrous sense of smell. We're living life at the speed of smell. <laughs> the term face organ yeah me too (laughs) so smell and the way that humans perceive smell and what smell does when it hits your brain is really really fascinating oh yeah you all know this like you get the whiff of some smell and instantly transport you back to some memory Mm -hmm. and you'll immediately start thinking of it for example my fiance regina just got her car cleaned and the first time i got into the car and they do the car and the inside and out the first time i got into the car the air freshener that they had used was like whoa what is that smell like there's something specific going on here um and i i just had to sit there and think about it think about it think about it (laughs) i'm not getting out of the car until i remember honey until i I realized that it was it's the scent that they use on like coach buses probably the first time i ever rode a coach bus like you Mm -hmm. know riding a bus from connecticut to to new york you know on a school field trip or whatever in a fancy fancy bus like that must have been the air freshener they use because it was oh that's exactly what that smells like to me we have a candle right now this christmas candle we're burning it in the house and it smells like nothing to me but the inside of the it's a small world ride at Disney. <laughs> wow. like that is exactly what it smells like to me it's not just that these are such deep associations but they can be the hardest to break you know what i mean yeah. it's like oh, it's you're not... never going to start thinking of that smell as the candle smell so so here's the thing <laughs> so i'm um, i start wondering about this like what is it about 
us smelling things that that causes this why is it so hard to break as it turns out a lot of this has to do with the brain which scientists don't fully understand so there's a whole lot of like theories that are out there about why this happens so here's some of the predominant kind of theories right now when we hear things or when we see things what happens is we we perceive them as waves right as either light waves or sound waves and then those waves go to our thalamus in our brain and from there they're routed to the parts of the brain that figure out what Mm. that is apparently there is no middleman with sense Mm. um it goes from the receptors in your nose straight back to the olfactory region in your brain it has a lot of links to the hippocampus the amygdala in other words like the pleasure center of the brain the things that because it's so closely linked to that immediately creates this sort of this link up in your brain to these things so fast uh, because it's going just immediately directly nose right to the brain and right linked up the the pleasure pain flight or fight real like primitive kind of stuff that's going on there subconsciously you're thinking about it before you even realize that you're thinking about it that's why smells can sometimes put you in a good mood even if you're not consciously thinking about being in a good mood. The hippocampus pretty much believe that it's about like forming memories. And so very quickly, the olfactory senses is very just linked up with associations. Really, the sense of smell, since a living creature has existed, Mm -hmm. kind of acts as some sort of alert system. It's an alarm. It's to tell you, hey, this smells bad. I shouldn't put this in my body. Mm -hmm. I should not eat it. A lot of warning signals. Whoa, that's rotten. Don't eat it. Whoa. There's a fire. I have to get out, yeah. right? right? Like that's mm-hmm. you, or the you. scent of a predator, or mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or the scent of someone that you want to meet with. Yeah, Pheromones, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that it's it just immediately it's supposed to create a really fast subconscious response of well, we can smell as it turns out about ten thousand different smells, and the way that it works is really really crazy. We have I think about a thousand they figure different receptors up in the nose area. Okay, so what is a smell? They're molecules. They're molecules. Right. They're right. pieces and they need of the to, thing. They need to attach to the receptors. They do. Yeah. So they attach to the receptors, and it's basically like we can make any word in the English language with 26 letters. They attach to different receptors. And so you only have a 1,000 receptors, but in that is so many different combinations mm. that basically those receptors just grab onto the molecules, and depending on what receptors grab onto them, that's the smell that you smell. Now, also back there, there's things that are sensitive to pain. So if you smell something that's caustic, like if you smell ammonia, Whoa. something that it Burns. would really hurt you to keep inhaling, you got some pain receptors back there that tell you, hey, whoa, whoa, really get away from this because this is going to be painful for you. Have you ever noticed we don't have names for smells? Like, we have names for every color in the book. We have names for mm. sounds, but we don't have names for smells. Yeah, well, we, they're named after the thing. The you know, thing that it smells like, like car, oh, this smells, smells like, like pizza, cookie dough. exactly. Right, but right. there's no word that means, it is as if we called red apple. You know, oh, this is apple oh, color, which we do sometimes, orange. but it's orange. like, right, orange. Like, yeah. sometimes there is that crossover, but we don't really name it, because we don't have to. We yeah. don't have to describe what something smells like. It's just instinctual. It's like, oh, man, this smells good, or this smells bad, and I am going to react yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly enough, we're not born with this catalog of smells in our head. Um, as it turns out... The first time that we smell a new smell, our brain links it up. That's why all of these connections between the memories, you know, it links it up to what we're doing at the time. And so when we smell something and it's like, oh my God, this scent is exactly like my grandmother's cookies uh, when I was five years old. You're not nostalgic thinking back on an older, you know, a happier time in your life. Your brain has linked those two things together to tell you this is what this smell is. And that's how you categorize uh, smells. 
actually your brain links them back to those memories. That's the cataloging system. It's not anything special about childhood. It's just the first time you ever smelled that smell. There's this idea that animals are way better at us at smelling. And, you know, to an extent that can be true. But actually, we're really good at it. We just don't use it. And when they've done studies where they actually blindfold people and have them track scents, you know, like bloodhounds, people get better at it. They're actually pretty good at it. And then if they, if they repeat yeah. it, they actually get a lot better. Yeah, as you say, it's you know, just the way we live our lives. Our, we like don't a, need it as much. That sounds like a, cool. Yeah, let's do like, yeah, Let's train up. Like, like a superpower, We're right? We bloodhounds. Yeah, that would be fun. So do you guys know what smell-alikes are? Smell-alike. Like, not a look-alike, but a smell-alike. The smell-alikes is sort of the, the industry term for imitation perfumes oh. and knockoff scents, you know? So That's such a more diplomatic <laughs> word than knockoff. Knockoff yeah. perfume. Yeah. 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 Where you see the box and it says Chanel, and then you get really closer and it says, like, compare to. <laughs> yeah. This is Channel Nimber 7. <laughs> so close, but... Inspired by. You know, they're the cheap discount things, and a lot of them mm-hmm. will get in trouble sometimes for packaging looking too close to what they're imitating, or e- marketing too similar to the original product, but... But that's one, just by look, right? That's, that's just like by the logo. logo. One thing they cannot get in trouble for is the smell, because oh. you cannot trademark a scent. Mm. No! It's really, really fascinating when you talk about smells, you start getting into an area of what they call non-conventional trademarks. So, you know, we all know conventional trademarks. Like, I can't come out with my own computer line and put an Apple logo on it. You right. know, Apple owns that. Yeah. So you get into some that are non-conventional, like sounds, you know. So, for example, uh, like the NBC chime, you know, bing, bing, bing. Uh-huh. That's trademarkable, but okay. it's it's not a visual experience. You know, we tend to think most trademarks are visual. You can do shapes. Toblerone has a trademark on triangular chocolate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, yeah, they... Awesome. They offer protection to things that aren't necessarily in the formula, but how it's presented. Right. Another good Something one. Something that is not endemic to the thing itself. Exactly. You don't have to make I'm your chocolate I'm trademark like shape. Pentagon. Chocolate. I know. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, <laughs> what if you had a pentagonal chocolate and then you divided it into tri- triangles? Is that trademark? Uh, anyway, Penta- Pentablerone. Yeah. I, I was going down a nerdy road yeah, by yeah. myself. I was like, like, how can I get away from this? Can I get around this? But no, Chris actually uh, hit pretty much on the on the distinction is it's it's not something that's characteristic or functional, and they have a distinction between functional and non-functional. Just another example of something that's uh, sort of a little weird is like color. So you guys know, uh, at least here in the U.S., there are the Fiskars scissors. They have the orange handle. Oh, yeah. They're allowed to make that, and other scissor companies are not allowed to have orange handles oh. because they Fiskars can establish okay. this is really closely tied to us. All right. Look. Yeah. So now it seems like like a perfume is nothing but a scent. How could I not say that this scent is tied to what I do? Mm-hmm. And so that's where trademark law gets into non-functional. So. The orange handle on the scissors has nothing to do with the function. The shape of the Toblerone has nothing to do with the composition of the chocolate. And the smell of a perfume is functional. That is the brand. That is the brand. That's the formula. And yeah. it, but they, they all, so they go after you for the box, but not the smell. They can go after you for things okay. like that. So it's really interesting. And so perfume companies have tried to go to court around the world. And time and again, it comes down to a few things. Like one is the problem is it's really hard to objectively document a scent. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you can't submit a drawing or a diagram or a schematic. Right. Mm-hmm. So getting down to why, what is the scent of Chanel number five, or how do you how do you describe this in a way that can be objectively defended is mm-hmm. is really tough. Yeah. So there are some scents that are allowed to be trademarked. So I'll give you an example of non-functional scents that have been allowed to go through. Okay. So uh, there's a sewing thread uh, that was awarded a trademark for scenting all of the thread like plumeria blossoms. 
Uh, in the U- in the UK, there was a tennis ball manufacturer was awarded protection for the smell of fresh cut grass mm-hmm. with the tennis balls, oh, right? Because it's not functional to the purpose of the tennis ball or the thread that it smell like a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but a perfume is just a smell. Yeah, it is a smell. That's, That's right. It's not. It's not scenting something else. A trademark is not a right. It's a. It's a privilege. The government setting something up that's just like, okay, we're going to protect certain things that other that are not protectable via copyright, so that people can run a business and advertise their business and prove to customers that like this is our product. Right. Well right? put. Well put. And, and not have competitors come in and fool people into thinking yes. that they're buying somebody else's product. The, the other term they use in legal, you know, yeah, trademark is a shield, not a sword. It's to protect you, not to attack other people. There we go. I know that in the world there are probably, I think, I believe seven main companies mm. and they're dedicated to like very very lucrative and very top secret companies uh-huh. that would churn out scents for almost everything right. that is made in the world mm-hmm. that includes perfumes that includes tide detergent uh-huh. that includes you know any cleaning products or or books or anything and all the people who are working there are very advanced chemists biochemists yep. biophysicists trying to come up every year with a new molecule you know, hoping that molecules will generate a new scent. Yeah, and or analyzing or analyzing things and figuring out, all right, what is it that makes, you know, for example, cut grass smell like cut grass, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's a fascinating industry. Well, so you're hitting something here. I mean, I should mention that, you know, you might be thinking, well, can't you, can't you trademark the yeah. composition? And in fact, so you can. Mm-hmm. So this is where it gets even further muddied is I can trademark or, or get a copyright, really, patent on the composition of a perfume, mm-hmm. but not the effect it produces. Oh. Right. So there was actually a case where a perfume maker took a an imitator to court, and they did essentially like a you know a gas chromatograph spectrometer. I might be mixing up the wrong term. Analysis mm-hmm. of the chemicals, and they found that the infringer was using twenty four out of 25 compounds in common, and that is where you start getting into trouble. Right. Now they did have it slightly different. But cannot copy the, someone's formula, mm-hmm. but you can copy the result. Like right. Coca-Cola, right? Then, you can yeah. make a bunch of things that kind of taste like Coca-Cola. Yeah, that's but a good example. Right. With form. taste and Copy their actual formula. Now, then again, if you were to go to court to start defending this formula, you'd have to take the formula that's and enter it right. into the public record. That's so right. it's no longer a secret formula that's anymore. Right. Oh. would know about it. And the problem is you might even win the judgment, but then everybody would know your formula. So now you're hunting down perfect imitators yep. constantly. Because and if you hunt them all down in one country, they're all popping up in another country. So it's better to just keep the secret secret, which is why they would have trouble going to court and arguing about the scent without being able to say, well, this is the exact composition, because then it's a matter of public record. Yep. Yeah, I mean, with, with like copyright law, you cannot go in and say, oh, well, yes, 99% of this work is similar, is the same as this other guy's, but see, I changed this one letter. Yep. It's not, it, it doesn't work that way. So if it's 24 out of 25, then what would be interesting is you'd have expert witnesses come in to say, we can recreate this scent using different compounds. Which so is, oh, right, which no. they would absolutely be allowed to do. Right. That's absolutely right. right. And have That's the right. resources to. Sure. And that sure. would be very, that would be, that would be really bad evidence against the smell of like people because they'd be like, okay, well, if you can recreate this smell with all these different compounds, why did you use the exact ones <laughs> from this other guy's thing? Yeah. So speaking of perfume, makeup, and composition, I want to share some unusual perfume ingredients derived from nature or one was derived from nature i thought it was very interesting and obviously nowadays a lot of this stuff is synthesized mostly because it's probably a little bit cheaper or maybe the raw materials from what they used to gather aren't there anymore Mm. or or whatnot 
this wouldn't be an episode of Good Job Brain if I didn't talk about a common recurring theme, which is uh, an- animal secretion. So, of course, musk. We always hear about musk, mm-hmm. and uh, we hear about perfumes and colognes having a musk smell. In right. language, you know, we describe any kind of carnal or, or manly or natural scent as musk. Right. But what exactly is musk? Let's start I- with the word. What does musk mean? Do we know? Oh, you mean the etymology of the word? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. That's a good one. Musk comes from a Sanskrit word. Actually, just means testicle. Oh, okay. Uh, traditionally, back in the old days, musk was obtained from male deers. Right, like a gland. Mm. So people would harvest the substance from the musk deer gland and would tincture and dilute it with alcohol. The odor starts to become more pleasant, but it takes a lot of super dilution for that musky wow. smell to come out again this is one form. of those times where i'm like who was the first one to think <laughs> yeah. you know what i bet would mm. be good <laughs> this deer <laughs> Part stay with me deer. here yeah. there was a moment where this, his balls this might take so a few weeks good. to off <laughs> <laughs> no other natural substance in the world has such a complex aroma Huh. It is usually described as animalistic or earthy or woody or very, you know, naturey. And, and throughout history, other animals have been used for musk as well. So like muskrats, right? The <laughs> name is funnier now. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, musk ducks. Musk ducks. Musk ducks. Musk ducks. But, of course, obtaining natural musk is very expensive and also not very nice. Yeah, uh, well, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, musk trading is heavily regulated and also illegal in some parts of the world because it's basically poaching. So, the, I mean, there must be a lot oh, of synthetics sure. now, right? Yeah, so, so white musk is a synthetic compound that is used now. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think I prefer the... The chemical substance more so than the real actual. Now do you know what it is. Have you, yeah. have yeah, you smelled okay. the real stuff, though? No. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. Kind of curious too. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Yeah. Field trip. Yeah. Yeah, let's not do it ourselves. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I vote we, we find someone else. Can we use your intrepid spirit? <laughs> we have some Kickstarter funds. So. Yeah. I know. I know let's a good kickstart. deer guy. Yeah. Let's kickstart finding musk. Some musk, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so another ingredient is called hyracium, and it's also known as Africa stone. Hmm. And hyracium is the fossilized pee and poo of the rock hyrax. And rock hyrax is a very, very cute animal that lives in southern Africa. And it looks kind of like a, you know, a capybara? Yeah. yeah. Like a giant rat in a fat corgi body. That's what it looks like. <laughs> oh. They have really short legs and they're kind of fat. Um, and they're very cute. So hyracium is harvested from the ground because they would just pee and poo on the ground and then you can go dig it up. So this actually doesn't harm the animal at all. Mm. Right? You don't have to cut off anything. Physically. Or, no. Emotionally, if they see you do it, they're going to be a little messed up. <laughs> They'd be like, like wait a minute. Hey. <laughs> and the smell is described as being very complex and animalistic. Heady and smoky, kind of like musk and tobacco. Hmm. Uh, funnily enough, some of these other traditionally used perfume ingredients kind of read like a good job brain greatest hits of animal cameos here we go <laughs> oh, okay. ambergris i've talked about ambergris before which is the fatty intestinal secretion from sperm whales they're mm-hmm. lipid and, and, and they look gross and great on toast <laughs> <laughs> yes very buttery very fatty very rare and hard to find because they they float in oceans 
and it takes them god years and years for it to oxidize and, and actually reach to a state where you actually want to use it <laughs> and of course the civet do we remember oh yeah the, yes. the, the coffee bean yes. yeah yeah the world's most expensive coffee is made by having these civets like these raccoon animals eat mm. the coffee berries and then poop it out so it turns out the civet also has glands in their nether region that used to be harvested for, hmm. for musky smell. Wow, that's like a Swiss army knife of animals. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's butt is a Swiss yeah. army knife of animals. <laughs> and finally, of course, here we are again, the beaver. <laughs> this oh, noble and humble creature uh, shows up yet again for its uh, famed genitals. Uh, <laughs> Castorian, the substance from the beaver's castor sacs in its butt area, uh, mm. was also quite the popular ingredient in perfumes. So ice cream and perfume. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Isn't it? It's just, it's strange that, like, I'm reading this and I was like, wait a minute, I've talked about all of these animals before. It's like some sort of, like, weird reverse, I mean, animal alchemy where only just the most foul substances can be turned into these great useful things. things that people enjoy yeah. eating and or putting on their body. You know, I, but I want to say, like, sure, I'm always talking about gross stuff, but I think... In this case, it isn't really an accident that all of these perfume ingredients come from sprays or secretions mm. from animals. I yeah. mean, smell has always been heavily uh, intertwined with like hormones and, and mating and animal and ritual behavior. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, oh, I'm just taking raw pee or poo from Hyrax. <laughs> like it's, it has to oxidize. Well, it also makes sense that these are all things that have that are really concentrated, mm -hmm. you know? So like a little can in be made into a tincture and go a long way. Yep, and very complex in terms of like the chemical structure, right? With all these different uh, mm -hmm. things going on. Organic chemistry behind all of these things is just so complex. And of course, you know, so is the sense of smell. So yeah, there we go. Greatest hits list. Wow. Our favorite animals. <laughs> Our favorite animals together. So I have a quiz. It's about celebrity perfumes. Oh. This comes up in trivia for us from time to time. Actually, it does. Yeah. And we Very often. never yeah. know to notice what the names are. All right. Well, it seems like there are so, more and more of these these days, too. Get ready. Oh, okay. Let's All do right. this. It's going to be embarrassing. It won't be. I, 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 put, <laughs> I put some clues in the questions for okay. you guys. Okay. What singing husband, wife duo released a perfume called soul to soul oh, singing husband wife duo i can tina turner <laughs> no <laughs> it's gonna be more recent i can't be like yeah. sunny and fair oh. you want to you want to hit oh. Oh. oh whoa she got it let's see tim mcgraw yes and oh. uh faith hill yes yes wow <laughs> so is it like a his and hers like a cologne and a perfume yes what rapper and TV personality released Pink Friday, a fragrance that contains scents of boysenberry, lotus, Italian mandarin, starfruit, and vanilla? Is it Nicki Minaj? It is. Oh, what is it called? Pink Friday. Pink Friday. Oh. What pop star released six perfumes, including Glow, Still, Deseo, Love, Glamour, and Someday? Jennifer Lopez. Yes. Oh my Glow. god. She has six perfumes. Pick a smell. She did six. Pick a smell. I think. <laughs> I think other than Elizabeth Taylor, I mean Jennifer Lopez kind of revived current celebrity uh, scent trend. Mm. What hip hop mogul released Unforgivable, a cologne that features Sicilian lemon, bergamot, and champagne? <laughs> Is that uh, Sean Combs slash P. Diddy yes. slash oh, Puff yes, Daddy slash Puffy? <laughs> what was it? Unforgivable? Unforgivable. <laughs> Which I think is the most hilarious <laughs> name yeah. for a smell. 
<laughs> you smell unforgivable. <laughs> Uh, what socialite released eight perfumes, including Eris, Fairy Dust, and Siren? <laughs> Paris Hilton. Yes. Uh. What pop star released two fragrances, including Meow and Purr? Oh. And you might get this if you also know the name of her cat, and I want to know the name of her cat. <laughs> Katy Perry. Yeah. Oh, we and had her, this actually. I know her cat's name. What's her... Isn't her cast name Kitty Purry? Yes. <laughs> why do you know that? I don't know why I'm so proud. I wish I could use those brain cells for something else. <laughs> This American Idol winner released a fragrance called Because of You, which is interesting because another American Idol winner had that as a hit song. Bobice. No. American no Idol idea. winner. So her, she released a perfume. Oh, it's a she. I'll give you a hint. Jordan Sparks. Yes. Oh. And Kelly Clarkson released a song also called Because, because of You. you. Huh. Uh, what pop star has a whopping 11 perfumes, including Believe, Curious Heart, and Circus Fantasy? And if you're curious what a circus fantasy smells like, <laughs> it's raspberry, apricot blossom, peony, lotus, orchid, <laughs> vanilla musk, and candy. That's a circus fantasy. Anyway, Britney Spears. It's Britney Spears. Yeah. What does it smell like? Popcorn? Popcorn That's what I thought. Like candy? crying children, clowns. <laughs> this is her circus fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Elephant poop. Just fruit and candy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it does smell like poo. Despair. <laughs> what actress who was recently portrayed by Lindsay Lohan had released <laughs> her signature perfume in 1991? The actress's oh. name. Oh, you're yeah, Colin. Sorry. Actress's name and the name of her perfume. Oh, okay. So it was. Oh, man. Uh, Al- I know. It was Elizabeth Taylor. Uh-huh. And was it Violet? Violets? No. no. White Diamonds. Yes. Ah. Oh. White Diamonds. White Diamonds. Let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to Good Job Brain. Let's jump back into some nose knowledge. <laughs> Talking about perfumes, a good example that smells are obviously big business. Yes. And another area where smells were worked into business plans was in the movies. Of course. You know, we've talked in the past about a lot of the gimmicks that sort of came along in the 50s, 60s. We talked about 3D. We've talked about Cinerama. One of my personal favorites and just most absurd is introduction of smells in movies. <laughs> there are really sort of the two biggest 
biggest names in this world were Smellovision mm-hmm. and Aromarama. When you watch cooking shows, yeah. they're like, "Oh, don't you wish you have Smellovision?" I was like, "Oh, ha, yes, ha, ha. yes, exactly." Emerald, you know, talks that's about, actually yes, that was actually that was a, thing. a thing. I always thought that it was just sort of one of these really gimmicky uh, theater tricks, but it does sort of have a little bit more of a dignified history. The more I looked into it, some theaters, even as far back as the twenties, thirties, forties, would sort of take it upon themselves to introduce aromas into performances. Sometimes, you know, huh. so you might have perfume or an outdoorsy scent for a lavish production, but this was really low tech and kind of done in a, in a sort of ham-fisted way. And it, one of the biggest problems was you'd bring perfume in a theater and then it can take hours for the smell to clear, you know? <laughs> I read that uh, Walt Disney apparently toyed with the idea of having scents as part of Fantasia, you oh. know? So this obviously was oh, really before the Donatini like even. my favorite. And you can see like, you know, just him trying to think, all right, how can I make this just the most amazing multi-sensory experience possible? Yeah. Uh, I guess he eventually abandoned it. It was just too complicated. To- so in 1960, uh, there was a film release called Scent of Mystery. <laughs> and, really late on. Yes, exactly. And this was the first. So, the, so this was high concept. <laughs> <laughs> and so Scent of Mystery has the distinction of being the first and last movie <laughs> to be produced with the smell-o-vision process. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there was a producer uh, named Mike Todd Jr., and he sort of hit on the idea of bringing in the novelty of odors into movies. So he basically adopted a process that had already existed called Scentovision, mm-hmm. and he renamed it Smellovision. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the, just the great crazy leap he was taking here. <laughs> so he renamed it Smellovision and developed a movie around it to sort of show off this technology. Oh. No, which I think is the way okay. to do it's it. It's like a tech demo. So the process is pretty amazing. So the, imagine like a belt, sort of a loop belt that has little containers of vials of perfumes on them and various odors, and they're really concentrated. And so what the technology did is there were cues on the film and when you would reach certain points in the movie it would trigger the capsule would be pierced and it would pipe the aroma through fan-powered uh, vents under each person's oh, seat. So or, it's kind of automated. It's, it was automated. And synced. And it was synced to the movie. Right, exactly. Like the sound. And they used them to sort of cue elements of the story. So as I say, it was called Scent of Mystery. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of comedy mystery caper. The villain might have the smell of tobacco associated with him. Or the femme fatale, you smell her perfume. And I guess just using them to sort of, as you're watching, try and figure out clues to the mystery that's unraveling that's before you. kind of mm. interesting, actually. That could be a fun game. Yeah, right? like a whodunit. But yeah, you're just yeah. Smelling things. Have, so, and those are clues. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exactly. So as you're watching it, it's another element that isn't shown on screen. They had 30 different scents in the movie. You know, everything from roses to bread to wine, uh, train smoke, all these kind of things. What did the people say about Scent of Mystery? Do they like it, even though... So it's funny. There was an article, a review from Variety at the time that I was reading about. Uh, They said there were a few problems. It was sort of hard to control the spread. Like they said, some people who were up in the balconies, maybe not near one of the vents, they wouldn't catch the odor until a few seconds after it had passed on screen. The biggest problem, honestly, was it was outrageously expensive to retrofit a theater for this whole system. You know, up to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to plan and produce... All these little capsules and these belts right, to right. sync with the movie. Yeah, and to have them feel natural. You know, people said that some of the scents were a lot more believable than others, and some just smelled fake. As you know, you said you can't always get everything perfectly. Mm. 
And so uh, cult director John Waters, you know, who's done films like Hairspray and others, uh, when he came out with his uh, film Polyester in 1982, he wanted to sort of bring back some of this idea. And he did it in a clever way. So he invented what he called Odorama, which was basically <laughs> a set of scratch and sniff cards that they would hand oh! out to you as you were going into the theater. And they were numbered. And that uh, would cue you into <laughs> what was going on in the movie. And, and they've had some similar experiments over the years. It's uh, just hard to have it be believable the best example of smelling experience is probably there's a disney ride called soaring over california or just soaring on the ride you're pretending you're like on a hand glider and you're gliding through the different landscapes of california and so of course when you're in the forest it smells like the forest mm. and when you're at like the orange groves it smells like orange and the context is you're flying around and there's wind against your face and you can smell you know the wind but it's not i'm not just sitting there right be like oh i smell bread and they can also cover it a little bit more with the wind it doesn't yeah, seem so yeah. weird that it's blowing at you yeah. <laughs> and actually so the disney imagineer who came up with the idea at disney of of having scents on rides very quickly after that actually left disney found scent air which is the big dog in the big business of pumping artificial scents into places right, right. Uh, to make you feel certain things so i gotta tell you smell-o-vision may have been a catastrophic failure but Believe you me, taking synthetic smells and pumping them through vents, you are being hit with this every day, oh, yeah. whether you know it or not. And it is big, yeah. big business and a big deal. It's Like it's, Febreze? No, no, no. I mean, like like the actual sense of things in retail stores. Right. Um, you, you might be thinking you're smelling the products. Like you might be in a clothing store and smelling, oh, oh, such fresh, clean clothing. No, it's the scent of crisp linens that's being pumped through the air vents in the store to make you smell that and make you feel like, oh, I love the scent of clean clothing. Right. They're faking it. Oh. And it's and, and importantly, it's not just about let's just take a nice scent and put a nice scent in the air. Uh, one study I read, again, showed that they would take Christmas scents and put it into a store. If they were also playing Christmas music, people had a positive reaction to the scent. They're just manipulating yeah. people. Right, but if there was no Christmas music, <laughs> then the scent wasn't tied to anything, and people found it cloying right. or annoying <laughs> yeah. and actually disliked it's it. funny. So the scent has got to be connected to Contextualized. something. Like what you were yeah. saying before, because you make that association when right. you first smell something. Yep. And if it has nothing to attach to, you're like, wait, this doesn't make Why sense. Why is this smell in here? So the business that has long understood this, even if they really didn't quite nail it down, were real estate agents. Right. Because just, they would yeah. have, they, you would have cookies baking in a home. Yeah, I've always heard that, that trick of like you bake, you put the cookies in the oven. And yeah, it, it, or you have a pie cooling on the windowsill or whatever. But yeah, you put the cookies in the oven. And so when people come into the home, they smell the fresh aroma of baking cookies throughout the home. And that makes them feel very nostalgic and they want, cozy. And they yeah. want to spend a it's bunch homey. of money to buy this it's, homey, yeah, yeah. you know, because what are they in the market for? But Man, you know, people are dumb. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> they're just hungry. You, you don't even think about it. And so, again, they've moved on from you can't just, like, buy cookies every time you show a home. Right. So now they just sent the home. The like cookie cookies. spray. So another example. <laughs> um, so in, cynical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so when you go into Hard Rock Hotel in Orlando, Florida, there is actually an ice cream and cookie shop uh, in the lobby of the hotel. Or it's actually down a flight of stairs. So as soon as you come in, you are hit with the smell of the warm, fresh baking cookies. If you go down the stairs towards the bottom of the stairs, you start smelling waffle cones. And then you're in front of the ice cream and cookie shop. 
Those scents are fake. It's they're not, not from the shop. They're not from the shop. It's yeah. not the, they are not baking cookies and even pumping the baking cookie scent up into the lobby. It's just fake synthetic baking it's, cookies. Yeah, so they smell. always have a baseline smell. Yes, and they call this specific thing an aroma billboard. They are advertising an actual wow. product that you can actually buy by putting the scent of the product into the air. Yeah. Also, if you go into the lobby of this hotel, it's um ocean scent. So that's not the ocean, the Florida ocean, that you're smelling in the lobby. It's fake ocean, even though the ocean is right out the door. They call what it, a they call world it... we live in. Yeah. This is <laughs> so, so cynical. Another <laughs> fascinating example. So Bloomingdale's, in a big Bloomingdale's department store, depending on where you are in the store, they will put different smells in there. If you are in the infant department... Baby powder. Yeah. That's not because there's all the babies in there. It's fake smell of baby powder in the infant department. If you go into the intimate apparel department, it's lilac. If you go into the swimsuit department, what does it smell like? Chlorine. No. (laughs) Good guess. The beach. Wrong. Coconut. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Coconut also, the the scent they use in Mandalay Bay Casino. They just pump coconut smell throughout the whole thing. Some will go even further. They will create their own signature scent. Mm. So when you go into Hugo Boss, you smell this sort of like a woody, kind of outdoorsy, cedary kind of smell. That is the Hugo Boss signature scent that was created for them by this company, Scent Air. And they will work with you. You pay them a whole buttload of money. And then they will actually create a, a scent that smells like nothing else. So what happens? It People associate that particular smell yeah. only... With Hugo Boss. Singapore Airlines created a signature scent. When you get a hot mm-hmm. towel on Singapore Airlines, it is scented with a smell that you only smell on a Singapore Airlines aircraft. Now, now that this is in my mind, yeah. in my head now, I'm going to every store and smelling to see if, mm-hmm. you know, what does the Apple store smell like? Maybe <laughs> they put a, a fake scent in there and it just smells like clean Yeah, products. smells like nerds. And it gets you there. <laughs> so... There's still a lot of studying to be done on this, but apparently this this is where it gets really, really weird. When people smell the smell of apple, it makes them think the room they're in is larger than it really is. What? <laughs> Conversely, when people smell barbecue smoke, uh-huh. they perceive the room as being smaller. <laughs> Interesting. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. Man, well, we talk about smelling a lot of things. Uh, I want to talk about the lack of smelling, mm. uh, which is anosmia, the inability to perceive odors. And, mm. and some people are born 
without the sense of smell mm -hmm. or it can be caused by trauma or an accident or a virus or anything that might mm. kill your nerves yep. basically we've talked about having sense connected with memories a lot of people who suffer anosmia at the midpoints of their life that when they used to be able like to from smell, a trauma or something yeah they actually get really depressed because mm -hmm. a lot of the things that they associate with they can't experience anymore but the main thing is eating or tasting right, foods right. is just completely different and and you know when we talk about taste a lot of what we think the taste of food is is from smell because right. really our our tongues can only perceive taste like six sensations right it was like salty sweet bitter uh, umami, umami or whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, you're chewing on a steak and you're like, well, it's salty and that's it. Yeah. And it's yeah. also, I mean, again, you know, we go back to like evolutionary reasons um, why, why smell is so impactful so immediately. When you have anosmia, you have to make absolutely sure all the time to write the expiration dates down on every piece of food mm. that yeah, you buy right in the house. You don't know. You have no idea. Got to make absolutely sure that you don't eat rotten food because right. the smell is what prevents you from eating rotten food. That's it. Well, it's the double hit, too. You can't smell it before you put it in your mouth, and it you interferes with your ability afterwards. to taste it afterward. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Right. And, of course, it's kind of dangerous because you can't smell rotten food, but you can't smell if you have a fire in your house. Right. Or, or, right. or a like gas leak. leak. I mean, yeah. they add the yep. odorant to gas specifically for that reason. And I, here I have a list of famous anosmic individuals huh. that you probably mm -hmm. didn't know. And this one blew my mind. Ben Cohen. Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream <laughs> has anosmia. <laughs> While they were setting up Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream in back in Vermont, he already had anosmia. It led to their distinctive style of ice cream formulas because to compensate for Ben Cohen's oh. anosmia, they added you know larger chunks of things to their ice cream. To compensate, but to satisfy, yeah, the texture of So it works food. on multiple levels, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, multiple sensory inputs. So is that weird? That's that, really you know, fascinating. One of the yeah. grandfathers of modern-day ice cream cannot smell nor taste I, to a degree. And also uh, actor Cynthia Nixon from Sex and the City. Yeah. Bill Pullman, a lone star from Spaceballs oh. or, or ID4, mm -hmm. uh, also cannot smell. Huh. And uh, this I just confirmed this morning. Scott Kurtz, if you're a video game nerd and, and read webcomic, very famous. He wrote PvP. He actually was born with anosmia. Interesting. Yeah. So there we go. That is our very nose-heavy episode. That was some good, amazing, amazing stuff in there. And Colin, you have a last quiz segment for us? I do indeed. Uh, we're going to go a little highbrow. This is a literature quiz. I'm going to read for you guys first lines of famous novels. Oh! And I'll even give you a little bit of an extra clue here. Every novel I read is going to be either a sci-fi dystopic future novel <laughs> okay. or a period romantic novel with strong female characters. Guess which one's which? Is this Netflix or something? <laughs> <laughs> it is Netflix. Based on your preference. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read the first line. You tell me the novel. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. Chris. N 1984. That is 1984 mm -hmm. by George Orwell. Very famous romantic novel. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. It is a truth universally acknowledged <sighs> that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. I think that was Karen. Pride and Prejudice. Yes, correct. Yes. By Jane Austen. Jane Austen. Here we go. Next one. The sky above the port was the color of television, tuned to a dead channel. Oh, Karen. Karen. 
Uh, Neuromancer. Correct. William Gibson. Correct. Correct. Next one. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Shoot. I know. Is it... Is Dostoevsky? Oh, you're, is you're close. You're Shoot. in the right. You're in the Tolstoy. right gender. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. What is it? Aaron Karenina. Anna Karenina by Tolstoy. Yes. Yeah. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. That's a great line. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Next one. It was a pleasure to burn. Karen. Fahrenheit 451. Yes. Ray Bradbury. Yes. <laughs> correct and correct. Here we go. Next one. Christmas won't be Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe, lying on the rug. Karen again. Little Women? <laughs> Indeed, no, Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Yeah. We jumped the gun. We did. <laughs> oh, zing. I, I believe that you knew that one too, Chris. Yeah. Here we go. Getting a little trickier with these last couple here. All right. All this happened, more or less. Oh, oh God. God. Oh. <laughs> Karen. A Clockwork Orange? No. Karen. Ulysses? James Joyce? No, no. Uh, it's about a character unstuck in time. Oh. Chris. Slaughterhouse-Five. Correct. Yes. Slaughterhouse-Five. That's right. Kurt Vonnegut. All right. Last one. Here we go. 1801. I have just returned from a visit to my landlord, the solitary neighbor that I shall be troubled with. Karen. Uh, Jane Eyre. Close! Uh, Wuthering Heights. Yes! Ah. <laughs> Close familially. Yes, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Ah. Well, good job, guys. Wow. But you guys knocked I that one out. That Especially one. Karen. Yeah, yes. indeed. All right, well, well done. I am awesome. That was my uh, half sci fi dystopian. <laughs> you are Karen. <laughs> You're happy about taking us That's very specific. <laughs> All right, great, and that was our show. Thank you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot about smells and manipulation, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. uh, smelly in theaters, celebrity fragrances, yeah. and, of course, animal secretions. Very important to me. You can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsors at bonobos.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Peace. all trivia nerds Brittany here and i host the family road trip trivia podcast with my best friend meredith is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest we've got the cure three rounds of awesome trivia every week harry potter disney science sports you name it no more silent car troubles the family road trip trivia podcast connect laugh and learn with your kids big and small New episodes every week wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.